I love you guys. Uh, I'm so excited to to be here this morning. This is such a a, a great morning, and I can sense God's presence. Well, God's presence is here. What I I sense is that we are bringing ourselves into the focus of God's presence this morning, you know, to connect with him. And I, and I, I, I saw that. I felt that during worship and just so excited to uh, be able to share God's word with you today. Um, this, is, uh, this is a great day. It's going to be like 70 degrees today, right? So happy Groundhog Day. Um, one of my favorite movies, dude. I, I love that movie. Anybody like, uh, like that movie, Groundhog Day? It's just a great movie, man. Um, and Phil? Phil? Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, Phil came out, didn't see a shadow. So it means early spring, right? Which we're going to get a glimpse of today, and then it's going to turn around and be 30, because we're going to be like, because we're in Northwest Arkansas. So it's like, we just want to give you a taste of it. Then we're going to go back and have some snow or whatever. So um, 40%, 40%. Hey, you know what, though? Those aren't bad odds. I don't know. I would take that. Some of you. You know, yeah, some of you, your odds are, yeah, anyway, I don't want to even talk about that. But 40% is not bad. I'll take 40% for early spring. But this is going to be, this is going to be a great day. 70 degree weather. The Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl after 50 years. They're going to stomp the Niners, which I absolutely, and I'm not going to go on about this, but I cannot stand the Niners. So if there's anything, I love the Chiefs and I can't stand the Niners. So this is a great, great lockup here. And uh, it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be a fun day. So, um, yeah, we are going to take this picture of the church at some point. I, I guess we're just going to have to get Val to set up a tripod in the back. And then on the off chance that all of a sudden everybody's here on the same day and not sick, and we'll snap that picture. Because... Um, because Heather and her whole family are, you know, weren't able to be, Steve's sick, we've got, uh, uh, the Downings are out, because their kid's sick, I was just like, come on. Um, so I'm ready for spring, so we can get beyond all that, and yeah, fresh air, open your windows, Lysol the house. All right, so we started a few weeks back, before our anniversary celebration, we started a series called Detox, all right, and in this series, we're, we're, we've, we've been talking about, as we start this year, what are ways in which we can detox our life? And uh, I told you uh, that I have, um, I've taken on new challenges for myself um, in, in running, trying to get back into shape. It looks a lot different when you restart that plan after nine years you know, later. Or I, guess, I guess it's really it's been like more like seven years since I've run heavy and trained for things, but the body does not uh, rebound quite the same way uh, as it does, but it's getting there. It's starting to remember, and that's something that's very interesting, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more because the thing that is more powerful at, uh, than I, I believe in the body is, is, is the mind and your thoughts and what that ends up doing to your body. Um, so a few weeks ago when we started this series, we were talking about predecision. The decisions that we make before you have to make the decision. And we talked about how in order to grow closer to God and closer to one another, and that if that's really what our goal is in this, in this next year, that we might need to set up some boundary stones in our lives or readjust those boundaries in order 
that we can truly live in the freedom and in the health that, that, that God desires for us to live. So this morning, um, we're going to look at uh, some writings from Paul in the book of Philippians. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and get that uh, out and flip to the book of Philippians in the New Testament, or if you have a Bible app or you, you have eyes that are going to stay open um, for the, the sermon this morning, you can follow the screen. Um, but Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8, these are the verses that we're going to kind of, um, we're going we're gonna to unpack today, we're going uh, to dig into. And so I'm going to start reading in verse 4 of chapter 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, this is a passage, well, before I even go into that, how come somebody put mild hot sauce on this music stand? Maybe I'm supposed to, I don't, I don't know. What? It's a secret, it says. Uh, I don't know. All right. Anyway, that was distracting to me. I just had to draw attention to it for a second. All right. So we're going to dive into these verses this morning because there are, um, they, high five, they, you did that to me on purpose. Yeah, I saw that out of the corner of my eye. I saw a high five over there. People just mess with me and I'm easy to mess with. Mm, mm, okay. All right. So there are tools in these verses for us to detox our life, but before we dig into it, let me give you a, let, let's talk some backstory on these verses. Who is Paul writing to? Why is he writing to them? And where are they located? So Paul, in, in, in the book of Philippians, he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi from prison. And that church in Philippi, he founded or he started years prior to this. And the city of Philippi was originally named after Philip II of Macedonia. He was Alexander the Great's father, okay? And he founded the city because it was rich in silver and gold mines that were in the vicinity. And the city of Philippi went through... Um, uh, a few hundred years later, went through a, a, a famous battle where Mark Ant Antony and Octavian defeated Brutus and Cassius. It became known as the Battle of Philippi, and it's really the thing that put um, the city on the map. And it was the culmination of a war that was started after the assassination of Julius Caesar. After that battle uh, that Octavian and um, and, and that Antony, I should say, and Octavian uh, won, they, they split up the land. So Antony took the east, and Octavian took the west. And Octavian became better known later as Augustus, which set up for Luke chapter 2, which said, um, when Caesar Augustus sent out a decree that all the world would be taxed. You remember that? That's kind of a, a lot of how the opening story for the birth of Christ um, comes in. 
This was a city, it was a Roman city, so it was populated mainly by Roman citizens. And um, many of them were retired military. So after that battle, um, they kind of expanded uh, and gave, uh, gave a space for the military to, um, to settle there. And they gave them land, they gave them property, they rewarded them for fighting for the empire. And uh, a major highway ran through Philippi. It's called the Via Ignatia. It ran east and west in the Roman Empire. And the reason why I bring all this up is because it's important for us to remember that the Bible is a product of a place and time. There were real people living in a real place dealing with real issues. This, was a, this, this, this really happened. And this was a wealthy city. It was a city that was very prominent geographically, politically, in an area of commerce. It was a city where women actually were given more civic and social standing than in most other Roman cities. And this was probably why a woman named Lydia was an entrepreneur and became the first convert of Christianity and began to help lead the first church in Europe from her home. It's also a city where people really loved their Roman citizenship because there was a lot of benefits that came to be, you know, from being a Roman citizen, and they, they loved that. And remember, um, it, was, it had a large military, retired military population. So these were people who loved the empire. They believed in the empire. They fought for the empire in that. So when they became followers of Jesus... There had to be a little bit of rewiring to their thinking, a little reframing, a little recalibrating, or maybe some detoxing that needed to take place. And so Paul writes to these people in prison to talk to them about some attitudes and actions that they need to adopt in order to be followers of Jesus. So let's dive deeper into some of the things that he said. And the first thing in verse 4 that we read is this. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And I, I really like the way that the, the message interpretation or, um, or paraphrase, the, the way it renders this verse out, because it says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Revel in him. You know, the book of Philippians, it's, it's probably my favorite book in the New Testament. The book of Philippians is only four chapters, but in those four chapters, the word joy shows up seven times. The word rejoice shows up eight times, just in those four chapters. And from a man writing this from prison. Clearly, the joy that Paul is referring to here is not joy that is found in his present circumstances, but it's found in the presence of God in the midst of his circumstances. See, I think a lot of times we focus a lot of our energy when we're seeking God and we're praying, we, we're asking him, we're hoping that he will deliver us from our present circumstances, from the pain, from the suffering, from the, just the pressure of it all. We want him to remove us from that situation. But maybe it's our circumstances that are propelling us to a closer relationship, a more intimate relationship with God. 
Sometimes we don't realize that. Sometimes we, we just can't see because we're too close to the things in our lives that we don't understand. We can't pan back to see that maybe it's the, the trial that we're walking through or that, that desert land that just where it seems parched and it seems like God is far away, but really he's more close than he's ever been and he's drawing us to him. He's drawing us closer to him. It's interesting that the psalmist in Psalm chapter 23, he doesn't claim to have found deliverance from the valley of the shadow of death, but instead he recognizes God's presence in the midst of that valley. We aren't always promised deliverance, but we are promised presence, God's presence. This has become so apparent to me over this last year and going through 2019 and I've referenced this multiple times and it's not something that you know we're we're close enough as a, as a family in here you know the kinds of things that on a personal level have been challenges over this last year in our life um, I think there is a number there were a number of opportunities in in suffering loss and and just different things that have that 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 kind of happened in in our world that it could, have, it could have taken us into a nosedive. Had we focused on the circumstances and, and instead of remembering the presence of God in the midst of those things, I'm thankful because a lot of times when we're going through trials, they will either, they, they will either push us away from relationship. Um, a lot of times when couples go through loss, one of two things happens. They either get really close and very strong in their relationship with one another, or they rip apart. And I am so grateful that in this last year, so when I ended 2019 and I said, you know what, I don't look back on this year and go, let's, that, that year, man, that was terrible. Let's move on. You know, and that instead, I am grateful and I do have joy because I've seen God's presence show up in the midst of suffering and in the midst of trial, in the midst of pressure and questions and all of those things, I've seen God's presence show up and I've seen him draw us closer together as a family and closer in my relationship and walk with him. That's what we're talking about here. Now let's keep reading what Paul says. In verse 6, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, pray. These are words that are actually referencing back to teaching that Jesus gave on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. In fact, many of the words are very, that are used here are very similar to where Jesus told his listeners, look, don't worry. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. They don't toil. They don't spin. They don't work. And yet your heavenly Father takes care of them. How much more will he take care of you? Jesus looks across at his followers and he says, hey, guys, listen, you're kids of the king. You don't need to worry. Relax. 
the creator of the universe. He has you. The king is on the throne. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. So take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Don't be anxious about anything. Jesus uses the phrase, O ye of little faith, four different times in the Gospels. Every situation that he uses that term in the Gospels is always a point where people are doubting whether or not, is God going to really come through in this? I mean, the heat got really turned up. Is God, does God really care? Is he going to take care of us? And Jesus is like, come on, guys. Don't lose your faith here. See, when we live in, in, in anxiety, we're dismissing God's presence and we're subtracting his power from the situation. And I believe that we can move to a place of peace. Not by knowing every detail of our future, but having trust and having confidence in the one who truly does hold our future in his hands. I, I, I believe that we can move to a place of peace by resting in the presence of the one who knows the next step that we should take, who's actually promised that when we put our trust in him, he will order those steps. But it doesn't just come by simply us knowing and not doing something. We have to take action as well. It comes by taking a step of, of taking that anxiety and turning it to a place of prayer. I believe that we can truly replace anxiety with anticipation through prayer. So that means that in our moments, in our day, when we become nervous because of something that's going on, we, we're worrying about some, some, some circumstance in our life, some conversation that's difficult that we need to have with somebody, some problem that we're going to have to navigate, that instead of just letting that spin in us and stew in us, that, that we, can see, we can seize hold of that and we can turn that into an opportunity for prayer. And that means that the minute that those thoughts come into our mind, we can flip that over and give that over to the Lord. That's it. So when, we, when the scripture talks about praying without ceasing, it's more about us staying in a posture, the way we walk through our day, the way that we manage the thoughts that are flying through our head in that. And when things come into our minds that we know are not from the Lord, we know it's a lie or we know it's, it's, it's some sort of a negative weight to pull us down in that, our immediate response is just to flip that over and hand it over to Christ, to give it to him in prayer. There's been this, uh, this app that I have started using in my world um, at the start of this year because one of my big goals is, um, f for this year is, is, is looking for practical ways in my everyday, ordinary life to truly live out what we were learning about last year in the way of how to live at God's speed, slowing down in order to catch up to where he is and what he's doing, 
How do I increase in my love for God and my love for one another? If I don't do anything differently, if I don't practice anything differently. So I've been looking for tools and disciplines that I can put into my life um, in, in just in small ways to keep myself pointed in that direction. So there's this app I'm using. It's called Praise You Go. And uh, you can look it up. It, it may or may not be your cup of tea. It, 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 in, in most cases, I, I, I think that the setting for this app has probably been more utilized like in the liturgical church, like in a Catholic or Lutheran setting. Um, I love it because it, 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 I utilize it to start my day. It's something that is really, it's called pray as you go because it's really meant to be kind of to go with you um, as you start your day. So I do a lot of driving um, and I just put it on in the car right away when I'm driving uh, Melanie to school or um, driving to drop off Liam for daycare or whatever. And it, there's always a, a, it always follows scripture reading, and that scripture is read twice. And the, after the first time it's read, there are questions that are asked for you to kind of ponder in that and pray through that scripture. So it's opening your heart, and it's kind of giving you um, some, 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 uh, some things to think about so that when you then listen to the scripture a second time, now you're thinking in that, in that frame of mind. Um, there's, always, uh, there's always some music, either from a choir or from an individual that kind of corresponds with the reading for that day. And so a couple of weeks ago, I had a really packed day full of meetings and, uh, and, and some things that were just really weighing heavy on me. Some meetings that I thought were going to be, oh, this is going to be really hard. And, uh, and, and I don't I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're like me in this. When there are days when the thought to pray and to commune with God, you've got to first contend with what's going on in your own mind. Because it can become a block from you to be able to even be able to communicate freely with God because you're weighted down with so much thought and so much things that you're processing and stewing about in that. And uh, so I put this on, and, uh, and the choir, in the beginning, the choir sang this, uh, uh, this song in, in Latin, and it, and it came from the scripture from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, which says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is perfect. And then there were these questions to follow that. And this, the questions went like this. What are the labors that I am involved with as I try to pray today? What are the burdens that I am carrying? As I enter into prayer today, I take this moment to place all my concerns and all my burdens in God's hands. And it was just perfect in that moment because what I did then as I was driving was I thought, okay. And I just started to, to just scroll through that list in my head of the different things that were weighing on my heart and on my mind. And as each one would come to mind, I would just, God, take that. God, I give that to you. God, take that one. Yep, I'm giving that to you. I can't handle the weight of this, but you can. So, and and by the end of that process, in that drive, I just felt a total peace and calm come over me. And when I went into those meetings, even though there were some that I really thought, you know, this is going to be hard, I, I was at peace. 
I was at peace because I had been able to clear that out. That's what I'm talking about, about turning anxiety into an opportunity for prayer. The, the second thing I want to encourage us to do in these moments is to let somebody else in. And I want to be careful to draw a distinction between the everyday walking around anxiety that we all feel and then the anxiety that comes upon some of us that's just absolutely crippling. And I would draw the distinction in some of these ways. Is the anxiety that you experience, is it something that you can control or is it controlling you? The anxiety that you're experiencing, is it affecting just your mind or is it affecting you physically? Is it, is it hindering you from doing just the normal things of your everyday life? Is your anxiety something that you can name? Like you could say, well, I know I'm feeling anxious in this moment because of this person or this decision or this, this thing. Or is it just ambiguous? Like I, I'm feeling this, but I, I, don't, I, I can't put my finger on why. If your anxiety is one of these things that is, is either crippling, it's hindering, it's affecting your normal everyday life, I, I ask you, please, let somebody else in. Here at Canvas, we want this to be a safe place for healing. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. We want it to be a place where we can transparently talk about things like mental health. That it doesn't carry a stigma. That we don't feel like we've got to run from that. But we can open up about that. And we can recognize that by doing so, exposing our weakness, that we open ourselves up for God's strength to be poured in and from the strength of others to come around and lock in to hold us up. Let somebody else in. And by doing that, find the peace that God desires from you away from that anxiety where you can turn that anxiety into an opportunity of prayer. Paul goes on to say this in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So the toxin that Paul is talking about here is negativity. He's saying we have to change our focus. Amplify the voice of God over the voices that bombard you from this world. Exchange the truth of, of God for the lies of the crowd. Exchange negative thoughts for constructive thinking. Paul is saying, you can find joy even in the midst of your circumstances. He's like, I'm in prison. I am in jail. But I can find joy in the midst of my circumstances because I'm focusing on the right things. In essence, he's saying, your focus will determine your reality. Your focus will determine your reality. Now that phrase, your focus will determine your reality, was originally coined by the great theologian Qui-Gon Jinn in Star Wars Episode One. And I just wanted to point that out 
to anybody who needed to know that. Um, good info for you. Write that down. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm Star Wars nerd, and you know it, and I know it, and I embrace it, and it's all good. So, um, but yeah, and I don't like ascribe to all like Jedi theology, but this one actually filters through directly through scripture. It's good. It's good stuff. Your focus will determine your reality. So Paul's sitting in prison, but he knows that he was created by something bigger than him for a story that is <clears throat> larger than his own making. And that prison bars around him are not going to hold him back. Not going to hold him back from that. It's all about what we choose to focus on. So I, I want to talk about two things in our thought life. One is what we think about God, and the second is about how we think about ourselves. First, let's talk about God's character. We have to filter our circumstances through the character of God. And that's something that we oftentimes, we flip around and do the opposite way. We often filter the character of God through our circumstances. So we find ourselves in really hard times, painful times, and we think to ourselves, well, this isn't good. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see myself becoming more than a conqueror in this. I don't see that God is pursuing me with love and kindness. And so that must mean that either God is not real, or if he is real, that he must not care. But what instead would happen if we flipped that and we put God's character as the filter and let our circumstances run through that filter instead? So you think about it like this. There's two ways then to live. We can either let what we believe to be true about our circumstances dictate what is true about God, or we can let what we know is true about God dictate what is true about and the way in which we view our circumstances. It's all about the way we frame it. Let the character of God frame your life. Let it form the filter. And then as it forms that filter, that's the filter by which your thoughts then pass through. And then when that happens, we can rest from the chaos of all this stuff going on in our lives because we understand the character of God. And the second set of thinking I want to talk to you about is, is our identity. So this is where we have to exchange the truth of God for the lies of the, the world around us. God is a God that loves to give nicknames. And we can see that all the way through in Scripture. And the first one, he gave, you know, he changed Abram's name to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And then with Jacob, he's like, hey, no longer are you going to be known as liar or deceiver. I'm going to call you Israel. And, and Gideon, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call you a mighty warrior. And, uh, and, and then that goes on into Jesus' ministry. Jesus does the same thing. He calls out James and John. He says, you guys are going to be known as the sons of thunder. And uh, Simon, I'm, I'm calling you Peter. 
You're going to be the rock. And the woman who was cast out, he calls her daughter instead. I, I think it's really important that we let God name us because for our entire lives, we've allowed the world. We've allowed other people to place names and things upon us. Some of those things have been positive, but then there's been a whole bunch of them that have been negative. Maybe it came from a teacher or a coach or a parent. Maybe it came from a pastor. we got to take a step back, a big step back. And as Paul says, focus on what is good, on what is true, on what is noble, what is lovely, what is admirable. What if we take a step back and we let God name us? Now you're thinking, wow, like I've... I mean, I've never, I've never heard the audible voice of God, so how does that even work? How do I even approach that? And I think a, a starting point for us is to utilize the Scripture, which is God's Word, in our lives. This is what that would look like, okay? Instead of saying, I'm not lovable, we turn to Jeremiah 31.3 and we say, No, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Instead of saying, I'm a failure, we replace that with Romans 8.1, which says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Instead of saying, man, I am too fat, too skinny, too tall, too short, too pale, too dark, you know, going through, I'm too freckly, uh, whatever, going through, too bald. I'm, I'm fearfully and I am wonderfully made. What if we were to replace the thought process of, I'm, I'm, God, I'm, I'm too broken with the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. Replace, I'm always last to be picked for the team with what Jesus says to us when he says, I've chosen you, I have marked you, I have adopted you, I've redeemed you, I've forgiven you, I've healed you, you are my child. Exchange the lies of the crowd for the truth of God. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, this is not like some sort of a name it and claim it type of, you know, weird type of theology or that or just a positive self-talk thing. This is actually backed by, by cognitive neuroscience. Check this out. Dr. Caroline Leaf has been studying the brain since the early 80s, and she's done a lot of research on the brain and the mind and how they work together. And this is what she had to say. She says, God has designed us to be able to bring all thoughts into captivity to the Messiah. In the frontal lobe of the brain, just above our eyebrows, we have the capacity to objectively observe our thinking with a view to captivate rogue thoughts. In effect, we're able to direct our attention to stop the negative impact and rewire healthy circuits into our brains. She goes on to say, we're not victims of our genes, our past, or our circumstances. Our thinking, our thinking switches genes on and off, therefore controlling which proteins are expressed. Simply put, our thinking determines the physical landscape of our brains and therefore who we become. Whatever we love the most directs our attention. 
Okay, now let's pause from that, because that's a lot to process, right? What in the world is she saying there? I think what she's saying is this. Our thinking really does matter. Our thinking can actually change our reality. Our focus can change who we become. Our focus changes the way that we relate to God, the way we relate to others, and the way in which we see our circumstances when we face them in life. Rejoice, pray, focus. These are the things that Paul is saying that we need to do continually in order to be healthy, in order to grow, in order to flourish into the people that God has created and designed us to be. So and as we close this morning, I want to introduce you to a spiritual discipline. And this is something that um, it's funny because even before I, I, I went into studying for this series, this had come up in just random forms. Um, and so I was really excited uh, about the idea of, of um, uh, introducing you guys to this. But this is a discipline that a spiritual discipline that incorporates all three of these things, rejoicing, praying, and focusing. And it's called the Ignatian Examine. It's developed as it would be by a man by the name of Ignatius Loyola. So some of you might be familiar with like Loyola University. That's where that comes from. And, and this comes from his writings on spiritual disciplines. And what he proposes is that the end of every day, you take some time just to reflect back over your day. Ignatius uh, founded the, the Order of the Jesuits, and Jesuits would actually do this twice daily. They would do it at noon, so 12 hours into the day, and then at the end of the day again, they would do this. And it really probably would take only about five minutes of your time, but I think could be super powerful. So we've got some slides that uh, we're going to put up that, that, that kind of walk through five steps that incorporate these ideas of rejoicing, praying, and focusing. So I want to walk you through them really quickly, okay? And if you're taking notes, write these down or get out your phone. You're free to do that. Snap a picture uh, of what's up there because I think that this is something that if you will incorporate into your lives, you will see that it's really going to help detox our spiritual lives. First off, we recognize. And recognizing means that we just become aware of God's presence. So that's different than uh, like, you know, sometimes, you know, like we're, we're prone to say, well, God, I invite your presence in, which isn't really even proper theology when you think about it, because God's presence is already there. It's about bringing our focus and our presence into his presence and connecting with him. It's about saying, Holy Spirit, I know that you are here. I recognize your presence here. Would you still my heart? Would you still my mind so that I can experience you and I can connect with you? And then it goes on to a second step. Second step is rejoice. Reflect back on your day with gratitude. Just look back over your day and thank God for all the little things that he has done, the small, the small things, the small blessings, maybe the things that have always been there, but you just don't normally acknowledge them and give thanks to God for them. 
Um, I think this is where another practice, which I've never done this, I need to do this, and I know people, many people who have done this, probably some of you in here, where you've uh, uh, kept a gratitude journal. I think this is where another tool that could be really, really good for our lives. And a gratitude journal is just simply this. You, you, You pretty much just focus on three things from your day that you acknowledge that you are grateful to God for. You write those down. And then you keep a journal of that so that you can look back on that and see and remember all that God has done in our lives. Some days, those things might be very significant that you're giving you know, thanks to God for. And sometimes they might seem very insignificant to the outside eye, but they're still very important to you. And then the third thing, review. Review. Go back over the course of your day. Take note of the moments that you felt closest to God and when you felt furthest from him. So go to the next screen here. So ask yourself these questions. When in your day did you experience joy, comfort, and peace. When did you feel close to God? And then where in your day did you experience sadness, frustration, or failure? When did you feel far from him? Take note of those times when you felt like, hey man, I'm crushing it. And then the other moments where you felt like you were just being crushed. Those times when you felt like, I I think I really did display the fruit of the Spirit there. Moments when you were able to take that anxiety and turn it from worry into prayer. And then the next step four is repent. What sadness, frustration, or failure might I need to confess? Where might you, God, need to, you know, where might I need to receive the forgiveness that you offer to me? Basically, just focusing on maybe one of those, one moment in your day where you're like, oh, God, I, I, I missed it there. I, I did not walk that situation out like a follower of Jesus. And, and so I, I, I ask you to bring healing. I ask you to bring, forgive, I receive your forgiveness. And I ask you to bring wisdom so that I can learn so that when I experience this situation again, that I learn from it and I do the right thing. And then finally, step five is to recalibrate. And recalibrating is about looking forward. It's about looking to the day that's coming and asking God already to be present within that day, to be present within those spaces. It's looking at your calendar saying, okay, I've got, here's what, my, here, here, here's what Thursday looks like. Well, I got this meeting. I got this Yahoo I've got to talk to over here, and he's a jerk. And uh, I've got this stuff that, you know, and I got, the, you know, and then I got to go to the DMV, which, <laughs> um, and, you know, you're looking, you look at all these things, and then you say, God, would you be present with me and, 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 and bring my awareness to connect with your presence so that I'm just staying close to you through all of those things throughout my day? recognize, rejoice, review, repent, and recalibrate. And what I want to encourage and challenge you to do is try this every day for the next week. And I think when you do that, you're going to notice that it begins to rewire our hearts, rewire our brains, rewire our practices so that we stay in a place where we're more consistently rejoicing consistently praying, 
and consistently focusing our thoughts on the things of God. In fact, the worship team's gonna come back up right now and we're gonna spend some time in reflection. Um, we're gonna we're gonna worship and then we're gonna pray to close. But during these last few moments together, maybe this would be a good opportunity for you to actually do these following things. I'll, I'll have Dan. Well, no, we'll, we'll we'll have the words up on the screen. I was gonna say, uh, well, I'll have Daniel keep those slides up there. But more than anything else, I think you guys have gotten the gist of it, you know, or you wrote that down. That in these next few moments, as we close our service. Maybe this is good space and time for you just to review over your day or just the last week even and begin there and, uh, and invite God into tomorrow, you know? Um, just already begin to be praying him into whatever tomorrow holds because you don't know and I don't know, right? Do we really know? We don't know. What we do know is that we can trust God because he does hold tomorrow in his hand, right? So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your love. Oh God, I thank you for your word that brings life to us. And I just sense that life in this place this morning, God, to those who have felt parched and needed to be refreshed today, God, those that have needed encouragement, those, God, that literally just needed your word to speak life into their being. God, I thank you for that, that you would open our hearts this morning. You would fill us afresh and anew today. God, I'm, I'm thankful that you could pour into our hands the tools and, and disciplines that we don't have to, like, be afraid of discipline but we can actually embrace it knowing that it has good work in our world when, when it is leading us into a closer relationship with you. In fact, it brings freedom that we, we could never experience through anything else. So thank you for tools that we could put to practice in our lives, just simple things that take five minutes of our day but have profound impact upon our minds and our hearts. And keep us in a place where we're rejoicing continually, we're praying, and we're focusing upon you. We love you today, Lord. Lead us in this now as we close. Amen.